Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast. The beginning of any new endeavor can be challenging. There are unique practices, new language, and so many questions about the way things are supposed to work. This newness can be tricky to navigate and sometimes downright frustrating. In this series, we'll focus on addressing questions that people who are new to Christianity or are just starting to engage with scripture might have. We hope these conversations will inspire and encourage you to more fully participate in the kingdom of God. The Bible often talks about two different paths. One is the path God suggests, and it leads to goodness. The other is the path of destruction. One framework scripture uses to describe these two paths is flesh versus spirit. People sometimes think that when you become a Christian, the voice of the flesh goes away. But this isn't the case. Every day, Christians have to decide what path to walk on. The way of the flesh leads to disappointment and destruction, but the way of the Spirit leads to life. Ultimately, the choice is ours to make. So when we talk about spirit and flesh being in conflict, what are people talking about? All right. So what the Bible teaches is that uh, when, when uh, Adam ate the fruit, there was death that came in, and there was all kinds of death that came. Many separations happened that day. They did not experience physical death until a long time later, like 900 years later. But the day that they died, there was a permanent relation, separation between them and the garden. They had to leave. There was blame that took place between like the woman you gave me. So mm-hmm. there was blame to God. There was a, there was a separation in relationship. Mm-hmm. The fact that Adam was blaming tells you that he had a separation inside, that he wasn't, right. he wasn't seeing reality as it was. Uh, there, was a, there was a separation between humans and animals, but there was all kinds of separations. So nature, there was a separation with nature. Those separation all came in. One of those separations was a separation of our spirit from having harmony with God. That breach took place. Um, so that our human spirits. So the, Paul calls that the flesh. Uh, sarx, I think is the Greek word, sarx. Mm-hmm. And the Bible uses that sarx to mean just, you know, flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. It also uses it to mean the nature that we were born with. And the nature that we were born with has all the proper desires in it that God, um, God uh, wired in that Joey was talking about. We all want to belong. We all want to be approved. We all want to have joy and happiness. We all want that. It's 100% of humans want that. But we have this twisted way of getting it and which is what the separation, we were separated from understanding the proper way to get it. And so that's what sin is. It's seeking proper desires the wrong way. And usually what we're trying to do is seek those things at the expense of someone else. And that's, the, that's our fundamental problem. And that, that twisted desire is always there. And that's what Paul, the Apostle Paul calls the flesh. Now there's other presentations of other illustrations that, that can be used for that, but that, that's a really good one, flesh. And then, and then uh, what, what Paul contrasts is the spirit is this new nature that's given with infinite power in, in the spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in, 
And now you have the ability, we call it the referee in the ring in the, in the, in the uh, Yellow Balloons devotional series. The referee is us, our will that God gave us, can actually now choose which one to, um, which one to follow. But it's actually just like an election. It's a binary choice. And what the flesh is always doing is trying to convince you, you you can do it both ways. Like, choose me and I'll pretend to be the spirit, but actually you'll still be in control. And that's ultimately, when you're actually, when you choose I'm going to be in control, you're actually choosing to be under the control of this thing that will destroy you. That's one of the big paradigm shifts you have to make. This one leads to destruction. Um, our friend Matt, who we all know, um, <clears throat> had a long bout with alcohol addiction. And um, I've talked with him over the years many times. And his big, his big turning point came when he realized that when he came to ch stop thinking of alcohol as a reward for himself and start thinking of it as death. This leads me to death. It breaks, it breaks, it creates a chasm between right. me and everything I want. And so it's, and then he's, his, his desire for like self, this is self-destruction. And when you start looking at, and, and I, I like to say he was an, al he's an alcoholic. We're all self-aholics. We're all flesh-aholics because we all <clears throat> think if we're in control, we can figure it out when we reward ourselves. And we all have to, we all have to find a way to choose not to do that and to choose this spirit in order to have the life that God intended for us. Uh, and so that has been, any new believer has that potential put in them, but it has to be unlocked through choosing the spirit rather than the flesh. What, what's your way of describing this? I mean, I, I think one of the things, talking about the referee that you've given me that has been really just helpful for this paradigm is I, I think we, we talk about this flesh versus spirit battle in the, in, with the idea that like one is going to ultimately just like kick the other one out right. and it's going to be, and I think a lot of Christians beat themselves up when they feel tempted, they feel struggled because it's like, well, I thought the spirit had won that battle and it was over. Uh, but the reality is it's, you know, two parts of us. And the way I think about it is the flesh is the part of me that wants to be God, that thinks I know better, that has, you know, my own idea of what this should look like. Uh, and then the spirit is that part of me that recognizes that only God can be God and that I'm, I, I can steward, well, and that I should steward my choices and I should follow him and, and be a servant of, of God. Because that's what's best for me. Because that's what's best for me. Not because this would be so great and I've got to, mm. like, because this doesn't work and it's the mm -hmm. path yeah. to death and destruction. And this one actually life. gets me where my design was and where my real fulfillment comes, the spirit. We have a lot of, you know, we work on a college campus and our students, we talk to them about going out to serve, doing service projects. And a lot of them really struggle when there's like free food that they get afterwards or there's any sort of reward system because they think I shouldn't get anything out of this. Mm -hmm. I should. And it's another one of these paradoxes that we find our life by losing it, right? That we, as we give away, as we serve, uh, as we make that sort of sacrifice, that's actually the path to our, our greatest fulfillment, our greatest source of joy and happiness, which is a really difficult thing 
to kind of accept. So if you have the flesh on one side, which is just saying, I'm going to be God and make all the choices and demand everything around me and control everything. And the other side, you have the spirit, which is I'm going to follow reality as God designed it and, and uh, be obedient and trust him. I think what's so important is to remember that there's a third person in that arena. The referee is what we call it, but it's just like those two things are always going to be constant reality in every person's life. As, even as a believer, there's never going to be a time when your flesh is just not a factor. It is going to be a reality. What is key is that I'm the referee who gets to choose between those two paths. Right. I choose it every day. I choose it in my relationship with my wife. I choose it in the way that I treat people when I am in line at Starbucks or whatever. I am I am actively standing in between uh, these two voices, you know, we get the angel on one shoulder, devil on the other. There's a reason that that little trope has has worked for us because it resonates as true. And every day, I'm trying to like listen to both of those. And when the Bible talks about taking thoughts captive or dying to the flesh, what it's saying is choose the other direction. That turn from from this, and that this isn't going to go away. At the next morning, the next hour, it's going to continually try to tell you, you're entitled to this, you deserve this, you should be treated better, you could, you should have it your own way. Uh, so you can't ever just get rid of it, but what you can do is make a real habit in your life of choosing the flesh, or I'm sorry, choosing the spirit. Yeah, you, the habit of choosing your flesh happens without any effort. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like I drew it up. <laughs> so I, I actually, my experience is <clears throat> the flesh gets worse as you go. Because it's it's like there was a uh, movie called The Incredibles, and there's this uh, a robot thing that would learn your moves and get more and more. You know, every time you did something against it, it would learn that maneuver and and get stronger. I, I think the flesh is that way. It's a ventriloquist. It's um, it's a thespian. It's uh, it's got so many different ways to go, and as you battle it it finds other ways to do things. So one thing that, I, that was really helpful to me is, is you've got these voices going on all the time. In your, I think most people don't know that everybody has those voices going on. <laughs> they think they're the only ones and they're crazy. Okay? But the voices are always there. And, so, and, and I think one of the healthy things to do is recognize your spirit, your flesh, spirit and flesh right. and, and talk to the flesh. Like, I know who you are. Don't, don't, don't try to tell me you're somebody else. No, you're not me. You're my old me. You, I don't have to do that, whatever you're suggesting. But the, the flesh, the Galatians 5 passage that uh, talks about this, it says that you do not do what you wish. And so you've always got the flesh and spirit vying against one another for you to choose it. And, and what that tells me, that you do not do what you wish, that means the deeper longing is actually on the spirit side, your deepest desires. It says the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh lusts against the spirit. Lust is a deep desire. It's not necessarily a bad thing. The spirit lust or desire, deep desire, is much stronger and deeper. But this flesh desire is more superficial but quicker to react. So your first reaction when somebody hits you to hit them back. And then the next day you think, oh, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Uh, or your first reaction when they're tempted is to, oh, I can't do that. And then your flesh says, oh, see how bad you are. You have no choice but to do that. Oh, I can't believe I'm thinking that. 
Well, when you have those bad thoughts that come in your mind, uh, you don't have to, there's you know, no need to beat yourself up. You're the, you're, you're wicked and evil flesh is doing that. It's still there. And you just say, ah, oh, okay, I know who you are. Uh, that's a, I can't, you can't stop bad thoughts. You Great. can, you can choose whether or not to dwell and you, on those thoughts and you can choose whether to act on those thoughts. And knowing, <clears throat> knowing that that's not me helps you be able to walk away from it. If you start worrying about whether that's you, it causes you to dwell on it. And once you start dwelling on it, you're going to act on it. So we live in an age where it seems like what's actually promoted sort of in mainstream culture is doing everything that the flesh says because, you know, you are your thoughts, right? You are your desires. Your feelings, usually. Your feelings. You should your express those externally, whatever you feel inside. It sounds like what you're saying is that's actually the opposite of reality, of God's reality. Yeah, that's right. And they, they don't actually practice that because um, if you feel like smacking somebody, you're not, then, oh, but that not that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. There's only certain things that you, they say that about, and it's their approved things, which really means what they're doing is saying, we want you to serve us. And that's ultimately what sin is. It's, it's, the, it's an abusive, coercive, destructive master that will, that will enslave and destroy. And you can kind of see that with appetites. I mean, I, I, man, I have an appetite for escape, so I take drugs. Oh, man, that's great to escape. And uh, now I'm addicted. Oh, no. Uh, how do I get out of that? And then pretty soon I'm stealing from the people I love to buy my habit, and I can't even think straight anymore. That's that gave them over, gave them over, gave them over progression in Romans 1. Like, uh, it, it, you, you fall into addiction, and then you do things you you could never imagine you could do because that's sin. That is the progression all sin leads to. And it's, it's, a, it's self-destruction. And that's giving into the flesh. Flesh wants us to go down the path of self-destruction. Well, and you know, to go back to the question of like, do I have to follow the rules? I, I think you know, it's important to kind of come into it with this sort of a paradigm of like, what are we thinking about when we're thinking about rules and checklists? Right. and the other thing is, just like we talked about in some other sessions and other ways, is that the the flesh is, is clever and it changes. So a lot of times it's like, a lot of times in my own life, my own testimony, I'm following all the rules and still miserable and distant from God. Why is that? Well, because it's not about the rules in a technical sense. It's about the heart posture. And so I was trying to follow all the rules as a way to get the thing that I wanted as a manipulation or control tactic Mm -hmm. uh, to try to make God do what I wanted him to do. That's an exercise of the flesh. So you can follow all the rules and be living according to the flesh. Uh, So it's a really, you know, dangerous question and a a difficult thing for us to contemplate. But the reality, like at the end of the day, it's like, what is our heart aligned with? It's uh, important to recognize too, Jesus was severely criticized for not following the rules. And he pushed back. And he's like, you didn't follow our Sabbath rules. Those are rules that you made, you men made, and you've ruined the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So 
the Bible, the Bible has, I would say, principles that are always going to happen. But I can't, offhand, I can't think of any like rules like we usually think of them. Right, and again, I said this in a different session, but the Bible talks a lot less of rules, right and wrong, a lot more of wisdom and, and foolishness. Yeah. yeah, a lot more in, in that type of a language. But in the, you know, this is strange, I think, for new believers or for people who've maybe been you know, beaten down by institutional Christianity. But just like any good parent, these rules aren't just like arbitrary to make you obey God. These are guidelines for how to live the life that you really want to live, for how to live life... Of, in accordance with your best interest. Yeah, let's I'd, take sexual immorality yep. for example. Okay, so First uh, Corinthians six says um, sexual immorality is a bad idea because it's you becoming one flesh with a prostitute, which is wedding the Holy Spirit with a prostitute. Whoa, that's a lot of that's a heavy thought, isn't right. it? Right, that's a a heavy spiritual idea. Right. And then it goes on to say. You really need to take sexual sin, a particularly attention, pay attention to that because it's a sin against your own body. This is more self-destructive than other things. Well, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Can you do those? Yeah, you can. Is it going to be counterproductive and destructive? Yeah, always. Yeah. It's cause effect. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I have a son who's a seeker, a really serious seeker right now, and we were having this conversation. And he came to the realization that when he reads the Bible and how you're supposed to live your life according to the Bible, he said it's like a dad. Like, you, you don't tell your kids not to put their hand on the stove just because you don't want them to put their hand on the stove. It's not because it would be fun. Not because it's my stove. Right. It's because <laughs> you're going to burn yourself. I don't want you to burn yourself. You're my kid. I love you. Mm -hmm. So what I want is what's best for you. So the Bible is, hey, here's what's best for you. If you do this, your life's going to be better than if you don't do this stuff. And so I think that goes to what you're saying. Like, are there really rules? Is that Are we looking at this correctly? There's reality. Right. I think it's better to say there's reality. Well, and I think what's important about that metaphor, too, is like if, if your son does touch the stove, he's still your son. You still love him. There's yeah. not this, like, dramatic change in your relationship. It's just like, okay, well, you probably learned a little bit. Yeah, I won't touch the stove again. Right? But, yeah, yeah it's, it's not rules in the way we think of it as this checklist. Like you said, you thought about it this checklist of things you have to do or supposed to do. It's like, this is how God designed reality. This is how reality is, how reality works. And the rules are a description of how to best operate within that reality. You know, we were talking about this earlier about uh, like promiscuity and partying and stuff like that. And what, what is that? And um, those have a set of rules too. And what they are is rules for belonging. If you do these things, you belong to our group. And in that sense, Christianity has zero rules because belonging is wholly given as a gift right. for enough faith to look. Zero rules for belonging. Right. And the world, everything you belong to in the world has rules that are conditional for that unless you happen to have a relationship with someone that gives it to you unconditionally, like a marriage or a family. But uh, that's not the case in the Scripture at all. All the, all the principles are like, yep. this is reality for us. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. 
please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.